everyone, and welcome to another Scots We Hey podcast. And today I'm joined by singer, songwriter, composer and arranger, Deborah Salem. Hello, Deborah. Hello there. <laughs> and we're here to talk about In a Small Room, which is it's a CD, a songbook, theatre performance and more. So you could you describe to us what In a Small Room is? Oh, it's a journey. I mean, actually, the album itself feels very much like a, a sort of a, you know, those things in the, the glam rock times when you did project albums. You start at the beginning and you get to the end. I, I think the album needs to be listened to in its entirety. Um, it has these 18 songs, uh, 18 William Souter poems that myself and two other composers, that was Kevin McKenzie and Paul Harrison, made into songs. And um, originally it was part of a, of a show that was a theatre and um, music piece. And then uh, the last few years, we um, worked at making them uh, into a, an album of all the music that we did for it, including five extra tracks that we never got the chance to do in the original show because it was only an hour long. So we'd written 18, but we could only ever do 13. So it was a real joy to get them back out again and to get them out there and get them played. Um, yeah. So you mentioned William Souter there, and it's based on his um, poems. For those people who don't know, and I think it would probably quite a lot of people listening, who was William Souter? He was a poet um, from Perth and lived um, not very far from where I am now, which is, I think, probably why I connected with him really well, because when I lived in my first house in Perth, which is where I am, his house was just up the street, and so I could see it from my house. And... um, I always wondered because you always see the plaque on the on the wall and I didn't know very much about him when I first came because I'm not from Bel- uh, I'm from Belfast, I'm not from Scotland, you might have guessed. Um, <laughs> and so it was really, I didn't know much about him. And then as my children started to do um, poems in schools, the Scots, the Scots poems, and they would come through and come around and I heard more and more of his stuff. And then... Um, I was introduced to him through the friends of William Souter, who actually asked me to do a project once whenever they had heard me singing uh, some songs that I'd written myself and said, would you fancy setting one of William Souter poems? And um, yeah, so he, um, I have to make sure I get this right now because I never get to these wrong. Uh, 1898, he was born, died in 1943. And the last 13 of his years of his life, he spent in a bed looking out of the window in his room in the house in uh, in Wilson Street, and solid uh, and not moving because he had ankylosing spondylitis. Isn't that how you pronounce it? Ankylosing spondylitis, and um, which meant that his sort of spine was fused. And you know, these days they'd get people up and walking about, but then stay in your bed. And he sat up with his bow tie, and people would come and and call on him. And um, in fact, one of the second songs on the album, which is called "Impromptu in an Aromatic Mood." The words, um, what are they? Uh, I am William who would hearken. I mean, the whole thing is about him talking about all the people. Uh, I am William who would hearken for the small and silly and steady voice, but the breezy bodies come and go in love with their own noise. Um, I love that idea that um, he's he's writing a song and, and about him being there and people visiting him all the time. Yeah, I just think he was... Um, I lo- I've always loved the stories of people because I think it really impacts on how you view what they did. And, and it's really interesting to, to look at his poetry from that point of view and just to see that world he created. And the album itself has um, uh, a picture on the front of it, which was uh, I gave to Brian Angus. Yeah, that, that one. Yep. And 
it uh, I gave a picture to Brian Angus, who's a, a, an artist up in Banff, um, a friend of ours, and I gave him the picture of the real picture of the room. In the book, there's the picture of it. Yeah. And I just loved I loved what he did with it. I said, sir, I want that. sort of want the album to like something, have this sense of it. And the creation, what he did with that big white window on it, it's just that the sense of uh, anything is behind that window, you know, all his thoughts, all his dreams. It wasn't this thing. It's he'd looked out to his garden and all this beautiful poetry. And, and it is beautiful poetry. Um, I think it, it, absolutely, it is beautiful poetry. And that, if uh, people watching this on the video version, you're right, what stands out with that, you know, there's lots of detail in the curtain and the chair and the floor and everything, but the, the window is absolutely blank. You know, it's, a, it's a, a definite statement. And you were saying about people coming to visit him, and these mm. just weren't any people. I mean, he was highly involved with the oh. Scottish literary renaissance of yeah, the early yeah. 20th century. Um, McDermott was a great champion and, and, and friend, you know, Hugh McDermott. So these were, you know, he was, his poetry was well thought of at the time, wasn't it? And it, it really was. Um, interestingly, funny enough, I spoke to somebody recently whose father, who, I think his father was something to do with the church, and he, and he spoke to me about him remembering him going in with his, he was little, going in with his dad to visit this man and he would be in the other room getting a cup of tea or something and and his father would be in the in the other room you know being held as suitor or was holding court I suppose if you think about it and and uh yeah yeah I mean he was um uh, he was very appreciated amongst those people who the, the, those literary people I think I read an article somewhere I could be wrong you know I never like to make statements and then go this is a fact but I think I saw something about 300 odd people would visit him you know a, a year or something you know there was a, a lot of he had a lot of guests yeah. <laughs> I think in that house it's an amazing concept that he just sat there and and how actually utterly exhausting it must have been <laughs> But that's the kind of literary good and the great would, would come from um, around the Scotland and from elsewhere as well to come in and discuss poetry and talk to this man, which just shows you not just how well he was considered, but what a, a fantastic poet he was and is. And we were chatting before we started that it, it seems that even though those in the know still consider him one of Scotland's great, greatest poets, he isn't that well known compared to others. And he's not, and it's really interesting because I find myself, um, uh, I was a few years back before, before, as we call it, to the time that we're in now, I was down at the, at the Parliament in Hollywood and, uh, and I um, was looking in the gift shop. And because for some obscure reason, I always go and see, when I look at the poetry section, I always look for Suter. It's like this thing that I sort of, I sort of go, I wonder if they have any. And there wasn't any. Mm. And uh there was, I think there was a poem in a compilation of many poems. And I, and I went to ask somebody, do you have any, anything? There wasn't even, you know, Diaries of a Dying Man. There was, there was nothing. There was nothing of William Souter there, which, um, which so I thought was really sad. I thought he should be represented here. You're, you've, got, you've got Burns, you've got uh, everybody else who you think you should have, but there wasn't Souter. Now, I have come to realise that m more recently that... Um, that wasn't that actually is not an awful lot that is still in print. Yeah. And there is currently um uh, Paul Philippou is currently doing some work on the the collected works of Suter mm -hmm. poems, which will be really exciting when it comes out. You know, he's putting them all together and 
And actually, Tippermere Books are the people who published the book part of this compilation. So it's just carrying on. And he wrote the the foreword or the the, the, the essay about Suter in the book that goes with the, the songbook that goes with the album. Yes. Yeah, I think he, he isn't, just isn't as known as he should as he should be. And that's the thing. I just feel that. And I think that when we did this album, when I was really interested in doing it was you felt that, um, you know, some people find things through dof- lots of different roads. So somebody who might like um, Paul's music might go, oh, what's this? And they'll find Suter. You know, somebody who might Kevin or me or somebody who likes the poems might find the music. Funny enough, the thing that's happened with the poems for me is now I find it really hard to remember them unless I sing them. <laughs> they have become abs- they've become songs to me. When I think of them, I have to go, what's the words for that? I have to sing the song in my head in order to find what the words are again, because I, I know them now so much. I listen to them as songs and they make beautiful songs and they really just jump off the page to you, you know. I think you said something interesting earlier about the, the um, CD almost being like, concept album you know you mm. listen listen to it in one go and I think that's absolutely right that's how I've been listening to it all the way through and then you go back to the beginning and do so again um but which is interesting because you would think maybe with a book of poetry you might you know read one or jump into another so what is it you think about putting them to music or the way you've put them to music that kind of tells a story if you like I think well um interestingly you know if you combine it with uh, going back a bit when we had it with the show itself and yeah. um, you know AJ wrote these beautiful pieces of of monologue that were um, spoken from the point of view I mean it was the, the vehicle was the idea there being there was a um, Madame Luzaska who was a medium and um, when we talked about it the whole the whole the whole idea was that we wanted to represent him but he didn't need to speak because the songs yeah. were him speaking but we needed to hear from him at the end, which is why we had that one single poem when he when he suddenly is brought through. The medium finally gets it, but but the medium keeps trying to get him, but keeps getting Hugh McDermott, getting his mother, getting his father, getting you know all these people in his in his life that tell his story. Because again, it was that lovely thing of, I mean, he was there watching. Was it was it the um, uh, the German fleet surrendering and and how he got his how he got the virus that gave him the. The Anglosian spondylitis was when he got food poisoning on a ship, and there was all this brilliant stuff. And and the fact that he took out the, he took out the, his primary his primary class on strike whenever he was young, you know, and he was just a man that had just it was just really interesting. And actually, reading um, Paul's essay was really interesting for me because there was lots of stuff that I didn't know in terms of his education. I had gone down one road and road and gone down another, but um, whenever AJ wrote this wrote the monologues. And and then we, Paul, Kevin and I got a whack load of poems. And she said, I think these ones will maybe lend themselves because not every poem lends itself yeah. you know, in, in, in a way. And and then we chose maybe sort of like uh, six or seven each or, or more, you know, maybe I'll, I'll keep these eight to myself. And, and interestingly, we all chose different poems. There was not, nobody went, oh, no, I wanted that one. It was just, <laughs> this is the six I want that whatever. And and then when we wrote them, AJ was the one who chose what went into the original show because she felt that they sat well with the story that she was telling, which was which was chronological and took him from birth to the end. Um, and then whenever we added the other, the, the other five in, I, I don't know, there was a way, and I can only, I can't, 
I can't really explain it, but there was a way that it worked. For example, um, I knew I wanted to finish with ballad because mm-hmm. it has the words of the of the thing in it, and, and it's quite different, and it sits there, and it's a really beautiful way to to round off the album because it has, say, small and a small room, and I thought that was beautiful to be there. We had originally thought of putting impromptu at the beginning, the one I am William who would hearken one, because he says, hello, I'm William. But then it was wrong to start there. It felt sort of like we need to have this, it felt right to put maybe jazz one just at the beginning. And it was like sort of setting out your wares, you know, it's, it could be a bit of this and then you go into the next one and it could be a bit of this. I think musically, that's the thing. You don't know what you're going to get. It's a bit like, um, what's that, um, his, the one he picks out all the chocolates and um, Forrest Gump, you know, <laughs> <laughs> every chocolate is going to be different when you're doing it what's in the middle. And I think that sometimes that's to do with the album because we have three different people with three different styles across 18 different songs. And each of us wanted to maybe do something slightly differently, find our way through the song in what, um, what felt true to us when we put music to that song. That, you know, the, the authenticity of what, authenticity of what felt musically correct with those words. That's really um, interesting because um, I'm not musical at, at all, but I would say that with every... Because you, you talk about the, the mixture of the music, it's kind of really rich and diverse, and you've got folk and jazz and some classical and even some kind of world influences yeah. as well, I would say. But each song, as you kind of mentioned, has one of those to the fore. Is that kind of right? Is that one that... Yeah, I, think, I think it does, but I don't think it was... A, it wasn't... I don't think it was a choice. I think actually whenever you, like I remember when I was writing um, Recollection, which is one of my favourite ones, I didn't go in the show with the original song, so I was really delighted to be able to put it into the, and I, I, I go back to Simply, so I find it, it's funny, I listen back to them, I go, you can always tell my songs because they're a little bit less music, uh, instruments in them, you know, it's just me at the piano or, <laughs> or uh, you know, Paul, sorry, Paul on the piano and, um, and, and me singing and, but I remember writing that one and, and, and these chords came out when I read the words. It literally was that. It was like those chords and these words and this tune and it felt like a sort of a, on the edge of jazz, but not quite, but had jazz infections. Yeah. But yet I remember when I was writing um, I Old Sang, <laughs> um, when I was writing that one, I I felt that, I wanted it. I wanted there to be a, a, a and because I knew that people had written that type of song and varying variations over the years, that type of thing. And I wanted to have it a bit of a groove and as a dum 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 dugga dugga dugga, and it moves through. And and that was me having taken the influences of all the things. So you know, all our all our brains are melting pots of music that we have heard, um, and that we listen to and that we love. And I went down a marginally more folky route for that. Or Arthur Bides, so for all the ones for me, I know. But then you have people like Paul, who who made really rich arrangements, um, very full, um, uh, specters, um, sorrow of specters. Oh my goodness, that's just so much. Uh, he's got these these riffs in them. So I find that, um, yeah, I think the choice came when you st- when you sat with it and you listened to it and you read it. I, I mean, like the others, we I read those poems over and over again. And interestingly, The Earth Abides, I wrote a version of that. Mm-hmm. Didn't sit with me. And I remember thinking, oh, that's the one, that's it. No, it wasn't. And I, and I listened back because I still got it on my phone. And I think, how did I ever think 
that that was the earth of ice. That is not the earth of ice. This, the one I've got now, that's the one I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, and they have they have um, they have big moments. They have small moments. They have the really interesting thing. Things like Kevin's are really interesting because he puts folk elements in the middle of these jazzy bits it's these instrumentals that you go oh that's folk but then it's not i i sort of like the difficulty is though it it is non-genre specific yeah and that can can be if in some people's minds a hindrance because it's is it jazz mm, well has jazz inflection is it folk has folk moments is it classical well it, a bit of that I sort of love that about it. Yeah, so do I, absolutely. And I think actually you're kind of capturing something that's happening more and more, I find, is that there's a lot more kind of cross-genre collaborations happening, particularly with jazz or traditional or folk. You know, you often hear a new um, a jazz album which has uh, fiddle on it or, you know, more traditional aspects as well. So I think it absolutely is a good thing. And, and th- sometimes I used to be of the opinion that, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know, yeah. it's like just, oh, I'm going to make this a folk. So I think that when I, when I go back to the, your original question, you know, why, what, what, how did they come across, how did the genres of how they were written come across? I think it's because we didn't make that happen. Yeah. I think it's because we didn't go, oh, I think a bit of jazz and folk will go lovely in this yeah, track. Yeah. It was, I'm going to make some music. And whatever that music feels or comes out of will be what this track is. And and because I suppose I have a, um, I, you know, j- jazz was sort of the, the first thing, the thing that I sort of think, sing mostly. Then there is an inflection that comes across in some shape or form across all of them, or it's it's my voice. So it's the same voice. And I hope that it, it flows and it doesn't sound as if, oh, she's doing her jazz voice. And I, I never hope, I hope that never happens because that's not what I want ever to come across. Um, it, or, or she's trying to do folk now. It's not that. It's just no, no, here's no. the music, here's the song. I am singing this. And actually, for me, I totally loved singing the Scott songs. Mm-hmm. It was a real challenge <laughs> um, because I wanted to get it right, but I didn't want to. And um, I, I went to Sheena Wellington. <laughs> Who, um, you know, to say, am I saying these crap? Am I saying these words? Because I was also really aware that I, I'm not Scottish. So therefore, I didn't want to be pretending to put on a Scottish voice singing Scots. I wanted to sing these words because actually it's a language. And like you sort of bravely sing, you know, speak in French or you speak German with your, with the accent yeah. you have. I sort of thought, well, I need to make these so that anybody can go, oh, I can sing those songs. I can sing those Scott songs. They're beautiful words. They're gorgeous words. I can sing those words. And I hope that's something that will come out of it, that people will go, Scots, it's just a song. It's a beautiful song. Let's just sing that song. I hope. But what you've discussed there is absolutely feeds into the poetry because this was someone, along with a lot of his contemporaries, who was writing somewhere small, you know, it could be sunlight through the window or through the curtains, somewhere, you know, cosmos, they were looking at the universe and and often mixing the two together. So some of the, the themes and everything are quite small and then you've got these much larger ones and you've got the importance of Scots language, which to, you know, that generation of poets was very important. And interestingly, because, uh, you know, some of his stuff is, is is that pure Scots stuff, but then some of the stuff he goes between, I mean, Sheena would go, well, he's used this English word here, <laughs> but then he's gone and, and put a Scots word, you know, and it was really interesting as we talked about, as we looked at the poetry, you know, it wasn't all really obvious stuff. She said, you know, his his way of going back and forth 
um, because he wrote such a lot in English and then brought Anne such a lot in Scots, he, he didn't... He, uh, funny enough, if you think about it, as I've just only thought about it now because we've been talking about it, you know, he was that same thing. He was writing poetry. Yeah. Whatever came from him, I imagine, was the thing that he felt was right for that thing. And if, if, if an English, a word in English needed to be there and then it was had a Scots word somewhere else, then that's okay because that's what... Do you think that's? Do you think that makes sense? I think it does. I think you know you're thinking about what word fits here, and I think most mm. poets, in particular, um, you know, really consider that very carefully. And certainly, someone like Souter, I think, would definitely have considered that very, very carefully. And of course, this was at the time of McDermott's Lallans, where they were trying to come up with like almost like an official Scots language, which, in my opinion, didn't really work that well, but. You can see it in the way that um, a, he wrote and uh, that some of the... I mean, he fa he answers McDermott's A Drunk Man Looks at a Thistle with a thistle looks... And oh, I've got it here. Let me get the title right. The thistle looks at the drunk man. So he turns that on his head. So, you know, he knew where he was and who he was writing for and all of those things. And I think the language he would have considered very, very carefully. Mm. I doubt he would have used a, a single word without careful consideration. No, I, I think not. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I just think I, I, I sometimes, you know, um, I sometimes just take the book and I'll just look at some of the poems. You know, I, I love um, one of the first ones I wrote was He Who Weeps for Beauty Gone. I just think that's just mm. the most beautiful thing. I mean, it's just so, yes. And I love the fact, you know, it's, it's two lines at a time. He who weeps for beauty gone hangs about his neck a stone. I mean, it's just... Lovely. He who mourns for his lost youth daily digs a grave for truth. That's <gasps> just all this. I, I just think it's a beautiful poem. And it was one of my favourite ones that I, that I did. It's one, one of the few ones I actually play myself. I, there was um, uh, uh, a twinning uh, event on from Perth the other day and I played uh, that one added on the piano myself. And, it was, and I played that myself sometimes. But uh, yeah, I just think um, uh, they're just, and the simplicity of it. Yeah. Some of them are short and incredibly simple. And, it's, and, it, and actually, to be honest, that was also really interesting as well, because, you know, these songs go from, what, two minutes, two minutes, 14. Uh, uh, I think, I think um, He Who Weeps is two minutes and two long to the longest one is, what, four, 4.53 or actually um, Parable, which is 4.23. Um, I, I, and so you, you sort of go, oh, that's a really, there's not a lot, there's not a lot. <laughs> There's only eight lines. <laughs> what can I do with eight lines <laughs> to make a song that doesn't last one minute long? <laughs> How long is the guitar solo going to be together? <laughs> <laughs> and I sort of fairly, especially things like He He Weeps, that is two minutes straight through. But I find myself doing, I, I, we did it very, very rarely. Actually, we always were very true to the poems. I mean, we never paraphrased or every so often I would add in the, the, the odd, oh, because <laughs> I was in the flow. <laughs> And, and sometimes I would um, maybe um, duplicate a line because I felt that that line warranted duplication yeah. from this, from because the, they are songs. They yeah. weren't just uh, attuned to a poem and there's the poem, thank you very much. They had to be crafted. I mean, and they were crafted into what they needed to be for the purposes of of telling the story. And I think that also, you know, um, I was listening to somebody the other day who spoke about songs and, and songwriting and talking about they need to connect. And um, when you're listening to this, to these words, you have to, for me, uh, the, the words, these are poems, the words are utmost. Yeah. Uh, 
they are they are front and center of the songs without yeah. a shadow of a doubt in my head so it's very important that everybody hear every one of them and that they get what the the story of that song is about by listening to each one and have it their little vignettes actually that's what they are yeah concept album with little vignettes that you go here it is sitting on its own but I sort of really like the idea of sitting on its own. But if you heard the one before and the word the one after, you just you, you sort of just have a flow. You get a sense about them, yeah. And that, exactly that sense that kind of that run that runs through. And I do wonder if having done the, the theatre piece um, first, where I guess you're having to tell a story in theatre, mm-hmm. kind of affected that. I think you know. I think it probably did. Um, I think it did, but also it it was. You know, I, I, there's the best part about finishing an album is putting it together and working out what fits with what. Mm-hmm. Or you listen to one, you go, nope, that doesn't do it for me. <laughs> oh, but that does. <laughs> and that would work really beautifully there. I mean, this is probably about the fourth version of where they should all be. You know, oh, no, let's move that one to the end. That one. In fact, it was my son who at the end of the said, nope, Green Bernie has to come before. Green Bernie has to come before ballad. I feel it. And we went, oh, oh you're right. <laughs> so I had it somewhere else. He went, he listened to it and he went, no, I... show and that's what's funny in the show that was a moment where um his niece was uh, the niece what was her name again who came to stay from australia no, yeah, I no. ah. <laughs> anyway um, yeah, was, that was a point in in the show where um jen bates who was who was being the madame lizatska where, she, where Paul was playing Greet and Bernie and she came and she kept playing the piano because she was being a child. She had come back as a five-year-old or whatever. And she and we laughed the whole way through that song. It was great fun. And he was right, you know, his, whenever my son listened to it, he went, it makes me go, you've had all this stuff, you've had He Who Weeps, you've gone down to here, and it mm-hmm. makes me go, which makes me ready to listen to ballad at the end, which is very light and very romantic in its, in its way of, of such sadness, you know. Yeah, so I think that the storytelling, uh, where things go, is really important. I, I hope we've got it right. I, I'm fairly happy with the way it sits through and goes through. Um, and also because I wanted, it was quite important also that people got um, in the album that you didn't get all Paul's together and all mine, you know, that, you, that, yeah, that yeah. variation, because there are similarities in our styles with our mm-hmm. own songs. So it's nice to go, oh! I'm hoping that people listen to it and go, oh, I wonder what's coming next. <laughs> because after the first four songs, you have no idea. <laughs> Would that be right? The variation in the music kind of follows the variation in the themes. And as I say, he kind of covered a huge, uh, wide range of themes. So it does kind of work out that way, absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned AJ uh, there a couple of times, and that's AJ Close, who most people yeah. would probably know better as a novelist or journalist or whatever. So how was AJ involved? Because um, AJ was the writer-in-residence, had been the writer-in-residence uh, right. of the Suter House. And because the Suter House had, over a period of years, a number of people who became Suter writers-in-residence, <laughs> and, um, and she happened to be the one around that time and also she had been sort of working on some plays she'd done some a play about suffragettes I think it was called Cat and the Mouse and um so whenever I uh, because the, the whole the, the 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 getting to this point that why, why don't this why doesn't this project happen was from a sort of a series of situations where I had done these songs for of suitor songs the year before 
I then was lucky enough to get um, uh, a thing called the Catherine McGilvery Get a Life Fund, where I was given some money and um, to take it uh, basically a year off and be creative, which is the most beautiful gift anybody could give you in your, in your lifetime. And it meant that I could stop doing any type of official job work I was doing and then carry, and just focus on, on writing music. And literally, I, I say it in, in, the, in the actual book itself, when I was on the train coming up from London, having just got this award, I was thinking, oh, what could I do? <laughs> what could I do? And Suter came into my head because I sort of really loved doing it. I thought, why don't... And I had this idea. I thought, why, why don't I get me? I didn't want them all to be by me because then this is a very dull, a very dull album of just you know eighteen songs written by Deborah Salem. Because it's the it, it's what other people bring to the table that make things really exciting, and it's other musicians and especially as composers. And I spoke to Kevin and and Paul because I'd worked with them in a jazz way many times before that. Asked them if they were interested, and and so. By the time I got up, I was thinking, I, and I really, I, I'm involved in theatre. I write music for theatre, um, or I ha, um, had for most of my career. And so theatre and a way of telling, I, I thought to myself, if we do this, it's not just something, it's not just a, his songs. It's got to be a way of telling people about him so they know more than they, they know more about him when they left, when they leave, than they did when they came in. And, and it's something enjoyable to come to. And then I had this thought that I wanted his story to be told. And I thought, oh, I was thinking of like monologues, like in 19, da, 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 suitor, blah, blah, blah. AJ then takes it to this other place and thought, why don't, why doesn't it happen through the vehicle of a medium? And let's, and I write these monologues. With him. And, and I thought because she was a playwright that she would write the monologues really well. But it, it was much more than that. She, she crafted that whole way of working it through. It would never have been what it would have been had she not taken it and, and thought, here and this song and here oh and this song and and also made it made it flow you know in that way it had a it had a beginning a middle and an end for something that was literally just telling the story about somebody yeah. you know yeah. and and it was very clever and i mean it's been out there it's been at the fringe and stuff are there plans to resurrect it once these things can be done I don't know if we'll ever ever resurrect the show. Maybe. I mean, I think we, we did it, as I say, we did it in a tour and then we brought it back for Made in Scotland, which was really lovely in 2014. And that seems like a ridiculously long time ago now, you know, I, I, and, and I never forgot it because it was always, it was always the thing that hadn't been finished. It, it had never done, it had never been able to be tied up with a bow and go, that's it now, we're done. <laughs> The album was the tying it up with a bow. It had to. It had to happen because I remember feeling really sad when we finished the last show and thinking, these songs, I think, are really beautiful. Uh, I, they are. They give something to, um, to the suitor repertoire because uh, uh, lots of people have written songs uh, with his poems before, but they give something else that maybe. Um, some of the other songs are, have been written longer times ago and have a more classical bent to them. Maybe this gives something that somebody, maybe somebody might take one of these songs and put them in their gig. You know, maybe they'll go, and this is a little song, uh, the poem, the words are by William Cedar, and I'd like to sing it, and it goes like this. You know, that would be, maybe somebody else would take one of these. And, and, and I think also Paul and Kevin are phenomenal musicians and composers, and we were lucky to have Patsy Reed playing on the original um, quartet and although she didn't write anything which had I known she lived just up the road which I didn't at that stage I didn't even know she lived in Perth uh, I would have said and you should be part of this too Patsy but I didn't foolish me but anyway she added so much to it with just what she brought to it as a musician 
So um, I, I was really sad at the thought that they would be something that would go into a drawer, never to be heard again. I felt, I felt that that was just not the way it should be. And so um, I, and, and with the support of, of uh, Paul and Kevin, just pushed it through to try and get the Kickstarter and to try and get the album done and to know that that would be it. And, and I think what I really would love to do, I, I, think, it's, I think it works really well in, in literary places. So if there's like literary festivals and places where, where words are really important, and where the, the understanding and the appreciation of the words in association with the music will just give you another way of listening to the words. And the fact that you will have the poems. When we did the original show, uh, um, Ian McIntosh from the Friends of William Suter and I made sure that in the programme, all the poems were in the programme. You always got the poems wherever you went. You went to the show, you got something to take away that told you a bit about them, had the poems there. And that's why for the same thing, there's a poem book in the album, the poems and the songs and the story about him and the story about the show is in the songbook. There's a, you always have him. It's not just, oh, we've done these songs and, and the poems are, are secondary. They're always there to take away. So I think somewhere literary, literary festivals, and I'd love to be able to do it over the next two years. But what, I mean, I, I had, um, I had conceived of, of, you know, should we do it online? But I just feel that this stuff is yeah. a live thing. Yeah. I'm alive before I think what you get from a, online, which people are doing fantastic stuff. I don't know if I could be that fantastic online. <laughs> I love that moment where people are connecting in a very obvious way with you and the words. And, and also, I think I quite like the idea. I think we did something recently and I quite fancy the idea of, of maybe bringing it along with a poet who, mm-hmm. who might do some of his other poems so it becomes a bit more because it is it, it's an R I mean that the album is an R from beginning to end and actually I think that's really lovely I, I think that when we do the album live we should we just do that we just do the album <laughs> we go from the start and we get to the end we go this is the album <laughs> folks, thank you very much and, and it might have I mean I don't know if we'll ever get the chance to have um because we brought Andrew and Signy um Andrew Robb on bass and Signy Jacobs Otter in on percussion yeah. um because we could, yeah. <laughs> we didn't do that, and they weren't in the original. But it added something really lovely to their again the the quality of the playing of, of what they do is just so beautiful, and what they brought to it. It was a very chill. We recorded it over three days, and um, because that was just the way we had to do it. Um, yeah. So I hope I, I would love that to happen, and, and maybe one day we might consider doing the the actual piece of theatre again. Maybe we'd really look at it. It's just, it's just really hard to know. But I, for now. Mm, would love to do a gig with them. <laughs> what I would say is that even if you don't know Sitter's poetry, the music, uh, you know, on the album is just incredible. It's incredible playing right across these mm. fantastic musicians that you that you put together. But what I think it will do, and it goes back to something we mentioned earlier, is get people interested in the poetry itself and people say, oh, I want to know more about this man. I want to know more about his work. And it strikes me that that's, at the centre of what you wanted to do with the whole thing. Always. It always was. I mean, and, and it is still. I mean, they sit... Uh, these songs wouldn't be these songs without his poems. I mean, uh, they are... Uh, I'm doing some a lot a lot of songwriting at the moment and I'm, I'm working with some other... Uh, on some other projects where I've been given lyrics and stuff. And, I, and really, uh, you, you um, feel a weight of responsibility when you take somebody else's poems. Once yeah. somebody else's words, he didn't choose <laughs> to leave them and say, 
70 years time or however many years, uh, please Deborah say them, put some music to my piece. <laughs> it wasn't his choice. So therefore, because he, he and he's not able to say, no, I, I don't want you to put that out there. I like it. I don't, you know, you have to be really responsible and hope that you are, um, are, are delivering his words to a public in a way that, that you hope that if he was around now, he would be proud of and feel excited by um, and and go, yeah, thank you very much. I'm very happy you've done that. And um, yeah, I think that it's really important. I mean, there's so much stuff that's happening. And I hope one day, for example, I would love, and even if nobody, even if nobody was there, I would love Paul, Kevin, me and Patsy at the very least to go into the Suter house and just sing the songs. I mean, I think that would just be, just gorgeous just for us for no other reason I think it'd be quite fun for a few people to watch having said that but actually wouldn't it just be gorgeous because I I when I did the kickstarter campaign I went and recorded the hello would you support this kickstarter in in his start now nobody will know that but I do (laughs) I was beside his window and looking at where he would have been in his bed I always feel very much it's that it is that whole thing that I said very early on about I love people's lives and I think they are very um, they make me think about what they did, why they did it, who they were. And I put myself um, uh, empathetic, yeah. I find myself thinking, if I was him, if I was sitting there, I, I would have been looking out there, I would have been sitting there, I would have been looking at that cobweb in the corner. I, you just do that whenever you are in, in that space. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think I would love more people. And I know more people have. And I know every time we did a gig, there was, a, I know, I know there was people who went to the website to find out or, and what they do with that. I think the issue then was that there were, again, so what, when they had done that, what was there to take away other than looking at the poems on, online? If the, if and when this book comes out, not just my, uh, uh, our, our album and CD, but when his, his works come out, then somebody will be able to have something that they can go right. And of course, you have things like with Perth, you have the Suter Theatre and they have, uh, um, they have the, in the library in Perth, there's the, the whole big exhibition of suitor stuff that's always there and present. I think we actually, I have a feeling that people in Perth take them for granted. Yeah. Uh, I think we just go, yeah, that's William Suter. We all know about William Suter. <laughs> but actually, growing up with the, the plaque and the thing yeah, yeah. in the schoolroom, that that can happen. Yeah, I mean, Craigie School is just opposite. My kids went there. It was just opposite his house, you know. It was just like, oh, yeah, William Studer poems. But I, I don't know until I started reading it. Did they go, oh, William Studer, oh, he lived there. <laughs> he just lived there. <laughs> uh, and I find that really interesting. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's been a great honour, really, to be honest, to be able to, to put this together. You know, and I'm very lucky because I, I also really love to do something that has, um, I love projects that have a, a focus. You know, it's really nice. I mean, I'm, okay, I might do another album of my songs or something, but, but to actually have something that you can put it around and say this this is all this is all him you know and i do so, love the idea that with the cd you've now feel you've tied this up this is now completed and uh i suppose it lets you move on to to other things except it does <laughs> it does except we didn't perform it yeah. we haven't performed it and uh, we had originally whenever we um before lockdown we were due to um, launch it at the Burnham Book Festival last year. Right. Now, I, and, and had that happened, I probably would have pulled my finger out and got it mixed a bit quicker. 
<laughs> whenever lockdown came and then that obviously wasn't going to happen I, I held back a bit more and then we went well that's just and it took a lot a lot longer to do than than things were tricky in lockdown to get your head around things and to get your head around music and and how you were going to finish things um so that's why it didn't actually end at the end of the day get finished in November um, and then we launched it in the beginning of February and I suppose as well although this part of it's tied the book is tied I'm like I'm very excited I, I think to myself we have a song book you know Paul and yeah. um, Paul um Harrison did all the scribing for or put all the songs together and made them into things that people could play and even but even doing that was a great adventure it was like oh I find we find a lone a lone dotted crutch that should have been not there or <laughs> a lone a lone and or a lone apostrophe or have we got the Scots right and mixture because we you know because we we definitely chose I remember talking to um Ian um from uh, Friends of Suter about things like, you know, where are we going to put apostrophes in for things like in a small room doesn't have the apostrophe. He said, well, because that was an anglicization by not, and, and that says that the word is meant to be something else and it's not. And so, so, but so when we were going back to the book, we were going, what does the poem say? And also because Paul had done the poems and made them, uh, made sure that all the, the lyrics were correct. Now we had used the lyrics, the poems that we had been given from whatever volume of whatever book when we originally did them. Mm-hmm. And so I'd sung them like that. And so whenever we went back, we were going, oh, is there incorrect? Uh, oh, <laughs> is, oh. is that a, is that a, uh, is that a, is that the right word? It should be something else. So that was really interesting. And, and we had to do so much minutiae to make sure that it was absolutely correct. But I love the fact that maybe somebody will sit down at the piano and open this book of, I mean, how cool is that? There's okay. music here. Lovely copy here. And this idea, I, it was great to see the music on mm. it. You know, it's such a different publication, I guess, along with the poetry and a fantastic introduction as well. Well, yeah, I, I think it was really lovely to be able to do that because not everybody plays guitar. Some people play piano and we really wanted to make them, um, you know, and, and that thing that we say at the beginning of it about, you know, they are... Um, a version of the songs. Yeah. So all the little little bits that I put in because I go, oh, I'm going to just add a few extras that we've taken all of those out and just made, here is the song. Just now, now you take it and you make it your own. No, I, it will be, I have to say, I will be, feel I can go, if I hear somebody else singing one of them, <laughs> just one, doesn't matter whose one it is, doesn't matter if it's one of mine or one of Paul's or Kevin's, if somebody else just goes, I want to sing that, even if they did it at home and told me. So that's what I'd like. If anybody just plays it at home and goes, I sang it, thank you very much. <laughs> that would be so cool. Because by the st- doing that, they're singing it, they're speaking his words, they're reading his poem, they will eventually be led back, yeah. <laughs> I hope, to, to William Cedar. It's that idea of pass, passing it on, passing passing on these poems and, and keeping the legacy going. It's exactly what I was just going to say. It is legacy. It's always, it, it's, it, it needs to be about legacy. It's what you leave behind. I mean, it's very exciting to think, yeah, it's very exciting to think that now becomes part of the William Souter's portfolio of stuff. You know, when there'll be, there's Diaries of a Dying Man, there's going to be his collected works, there's going to be all the stuff that, um, you know, all the other composers did, Harrick Mill and Benjamin Britten, and there'll be this. And that was really cool as well. From the point of view of us, that was pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Very exciting. 
Well, Deborah, thanks so much for talking to you. I love the album and listened to it for the last couple of weeks. I think it's a fantastic record. I knew Suter's poetry a little bit, but it gave it a new context, which I think was lovely. I mean, yeah, and that's really interesting because, I mean, out of interest, did you find yourself, when you listened to it, did you look at the words at the same time? Not the first couple of times, and then I did start to do that as well. That's the way I kind of, I, I, yeah, you know, yeah. time three or four, I would start to look into it. And actually, look, it took me back to my slightly battered copy of William's mm-hmm. Into a Room, that I selected poems and go back to that again. So it, it did its job. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Although I have to say that you're we sort of you were we were preaching to the converted with you. <laughs> so I've got some friends in Belfast who listen to it, who know nothing about Suter, you know, who listen to the album. And they said, Oh, we thought it would be it would be thought it would be um we wouldn't understand it. And they said they just sat down. In fact, I had two things that were really interested. They said they just sat down and they didn't speak. And they just put it on. They thought they'd, they'd, do, they'd listen to one and talk and they said they didn't speak for one. They just listened to it. And then every so often they would say, give me the, give me the cover. And they would just see who, who did that one or who did the other one because they've heard stuff before. And they, and they, ta- they texted me afterwards and said, we just really enjoyed it. We totally understood it. We en- enjoyed it musically. And then I had uh, somebody else who said that their cat <laughs> purred the whole way through ballad because when I brought out ballad as a, as a little... Um, video and they said their cat kept every time she put it on the cat would purr and walk up to it and somebody else said they opened a bottle of wine it was fantastic they sat there they got some wine <laughs> so it's good with wine and for cats that's what i'm gonna say. i think that should be the byline <laughs> loved by wine wine drinkers and cat lovers <laughs> recommend for wine lovers and cat lovers cat. wine lovers cat lovers and cats <laughs> anyway Deborah, thanks again for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm-hmm.